Don't you love it when you have to do two takes of a live read? I forgot to read this during the show, so I'm going to read it right now. So if you want to skip ahead, fine. I don't care. This episode of the, the Hooper cast is brought to you by Letterboxd. Right now, listeners of our show have the chance to win a free one-year pro account upgrade on Letterboxd. For those of you who don't know, Letterboxd is a social network for film lovers that allows you to track, rate, and review the films you watch. You can follow other members to get recommendations. You can publish lists of films like your top 10 for the year and a lot more. Letterboxd is free to use. There is no subscription fee, but a pro account will provide you with additional features such as a customized summary of your past year's viewing. If you already have a pro account, you can get a year extension free. If you want to enter, all you have to do is listen to our show and we will read the code word at random. Then send us an email at hoopercast at gmail.com, enter the code word in the subject line, and make sure to include your letterbox username in the email so that we know which account to reward. The winner will be selected during the last show of each month. You can also follow our show on Letterboxd. Just search Hoopercast, that's letterbox.com, L-E-T-T-E-R-B-O-X-D.com, letterbox.com, baby. My guest this week is myself. The code word for Letterboxd is I'm hungry. Please enjoy the Hubercast. You're damn right, everybody. It is the Hoopercast. In fact, it is I, Connor. Welcome to the Hoopercast live episode 182. It is a Tuesday night and I'm feeling all right. Um, And I'm feeling all right because we're mixing it up today. Um, It's Tuesday. We usually don't do this show on Tuesday. We usually do it on Wednesday, but we usually do the quick pick on Monday, but we didn't. So I'm literally meeting myself in the middle here and doing a combined show pretty much tonight. Uh, and we usually don't go live unless it's the first Wednesday of the month. So um, what can I say? I like to be uh, unpredictable to keep you guys guessing so that you'll uh, continue to uh, validate me. Um, if you want to validate me <laughs> at all, you can go to the YouTube page for our show. Uh, it's a Hoopercast. There's a bunch of episodes there. We do long form film discussions like the one we're about to have right now. It's going to be pretty freaking sweet. So do that. Tonight, I wanted to come on here and talk about some stuff because there was actually breaking film news today. Um, And I just thought I'd mention it because uh, I wasn't going to do the show this week. I was going to, Dustin's busy um, and I'm really busy. Uh, Clearly not horribly busy though. And I was just browsing uh, the film news and I noticed a couple items that piqued my interest because... um, because they do. And one of them, we've been talking about James Gunn a lot on uh, our show. Um, I think we've covered the entire, you know, story regarding James Gunn pretty, um, I'd say pretty, pretty extensively ever since it happened with, uh, with his, with the tweets and the firing and the fallout and the uh, potential rehiring and then the not rehiring. And then I cried and then, uh, and then, no one talked to me and I wouldn't return my wife's phone call. It was crazy. So, um, so the latest news on James Gunn had been that he met with Alan Horn, uh, chairman of D- Disney, uh, movie place. And, uh, and 
who had who had been the one who had fired him for the tweets and that there was going to be no reconciliation. He was just fired and that was it. And I was sad about that, but I was, you know, I I'd moved on and I was like, great. Dustin and I had a whole discussion about who would and should replace him as director of Guardians of the Galaxy 3. That's a really good episode that we did. It's somewhere a few episodes back on the show, but we, we discussed who the replacement should be. Um, and we had a couple of really good ideas, I think. Not just because I'm, I'm on this show. I, I really do think the ideas were were good. Um, pretty damn good. So I, I was kind of wondering what he was going to do next a little bit. Uh, what do you do after you were fired for something like that? Um, well, the answer is you go to DC. Here's an article from, uh, IO9. Is IO9 Gizmodo now? It's both. Did IO9 and Gizmodo merge? I didn't know that. Okay. Well, there, there you have it. IO9.gizmodo.com. Uh, looks like IO9's, uh, the, uh, the, the on top though. Cause it's, uh, they're the ones with the letterhead up there all up there. Okay. The headline, James Gunn is moving to DC and is in talks to write the next Suicide Squad film. This is by Jermaine Lucier, a writer I actually recognize because he used to write for Slash Film, a, a website he used to like. Um, so this is uh, this is interesting news, really, because... Uh, well, let's read the article. How about that? Um, okay. Warner Brothers has just confirmed to io9 that James Gunn is in discussions to write with an eye to direct the next installment of the Suicide Squad franchise. He'll have a completely new take on the property. I would hope so, because the current take sucks. Uh, This is huge news for a few reasons. First and foremost is the fact that Gunn, who was fired from Marvel Studios' Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, has gone to that studio's direct rival, Warner Brothers. It feels like a very calculated reaction to what many felt was an unwarranted decision and creates a whole new chapter in the epic struggle between Marvel Studios and DC Entertainment. Um, Yeah, I mean, Marvel and DC, it's no secret, are in direct competition, putting out comic book films, shared universes, except for DC, who's not really doing shared universes anymore. Um, Although there was that first look at, uh, that extended look at the Aquaman movie, which um, looks pretty good, I must say. I have to admit that, but we're not talking about that today because uh, there's I, just go watch the extended. Just go watch that that thing on YouTube. It looks pretty pretty cool, but I, I, that that's my analysis. It looks pretty cool. I hope they didn't show us too much. That's it. Second is the movie at hand. Um, Gunn is reportedly taking a totally new approach to the property. Um, Gunn has proven his, his ability to make movies with multiple strong personalities work in a comic book setting. And who better than to tackle? Who better than Gunn to tackle a new Suicide Squad movie? So, um, I don't know who I would pick, um, but I gotta say, I don't. Why is this two different sizes? All right. Well, now I'm little again, you guys. So, hi. I'm the screen's smaller. Um. So my initial reaction to this was, oh, oh man, like it felt like a. It felt like a, as as a fan of Marvel and as a fan of Guardians of the Galaxy, it felt like oh, don't go over to them. So as a fan, it sort of hurt me because I was like, oh, of all the people you could work for next. So let's get this out of the way. James Gunn is a is a working writer director. He 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 needs to he needs to work and um and right now his specialty his brand is 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 comic book adaptations. So um. You know, especially if DC is is going to reach out to him, and the, I mean, because that was the rumor 
when Alan Horn met with James Gunn, I remember, um, you know, he'd been fired and like the actors were petitioning to get him rehired, but there's nothing official going on. And then there were rumors that like the DC was, was going after him. They were trying to like, you know, coax him over to their side. And so then I, the, like a day or two later, I heard, oh, he's meeting with Alan Horn. So I was hopeful. I was so hopeful of their reconciliation because I was thinking Alan Horn heard the news that, oh, by the way, Andrew here, um, DC is over there talking to James, trying to swipe him up for a Suicide Squad sequel. Um, you think maybe we should reconsider? I was, I was in my mind's eye. It was Kevin Feige who put the bug, who started the rumor, and then put the bug in Alan Horn's ear. It was just like, hey, they're gonna take him. Are you sure you want to do this? And and Alan Horn was like, oh shit, I messed up. And and get him on the phone right now. Let's meet with him. So when I heard they were meeting, I was like, great. Alan Horn realizes he made a mistake. Kevin Feige, con- Kevin Feige conspired to hire Kevin Feige conspired to hire James Gunn back, and uh, that was all a fantasy because that's not what happened. Um, so it seems like the rumors were true that DC was pursuing Gunn because here we are. Um, so. Uh, you know, obviously he's got to work and the, his best chance at, at high paying uh, sustainable work is to go work for DC. Um, and I'm not, I don't think that's the only reason he would accept this job. I'm sure that he is interested in the characters and thinks, obviously he thinks that he can do something with this franchise. So um, as someone who hated Suicide Squad, I just, a mess of problems. Um, it could use James Gunn's touch because um it's a mess. It was a mess and um, it could be turned around by James. So um, this is actually a really good thing for Warner brothers in DC. They've, you know, they've, they've, they've gotten someone who essentially, if he can turn this franchise around, um, he might get put in charge of other projects over at DC, um, which is definitely money. It also means being on retainer, but if he's there on a, on a consulting capacity, he might be able to consult while he works on other projects. So this might be a real sweet deal for him. And weren't the Scooby-Doo movies Warner Brothers? So he already has a good relationship with Warner Brothers. I'm, of course, you know, pulling all this these facts out of my ass. I'm not sure that he, you know, was in fact. Um, I really should check on that. I'm not, I'm not positive of that. Um, oh, you know what I should do? I should share this live stream because I never do. So anyway, yeah, um, this is good for DC. It's really good for DC. It, it potentially means really good things for their movies down down the road, but especially for a Suicide Squad sequel, it's definitely going to be better than the last one, especially if they let him direct it. Um, however, um, there's a few things about this that 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 stink to me on a on just a purely objective level. Um, so I didn't like Suicide Squad. But one of the it's it's not like I didn't like it because I thought the idea was good and that David Ayer was just a bad person to execute it. Some people feel that way, um, but I I didn't like it because I just on a core level thought it was a weird idea to have a movie with a bunch of actual villains and try to make them sympathetic. Um, it's not the worst idea in the world. It can be done, but I just I I watched. I don't know. I watch comic book movies because I want to watch the good guys beat the bad guys. And yes, I want to see morally complex heroes. Like I like the, you know, the Punisher is like obviously like a, a, a deranged killer, but he has a moral code and he's, he's basically a villain, but he's one that you sympathize with because he was wronged. Right. Um, so it, it can be done. It's just like, I, I don't want to see actual, like the actual roster of villains being portrayed as, as sympathetic 
people. And, and maybe it's just because I, I don't, I don't know why exactly I feel the way I just do. I feel that way. I do. Um, so it's not, I think the idea itself is bad. Um, I thought the movie was bad. I'm not sure where you, where you go with a sequel to a film like that. I mean, they're already making that Harley Quinn, that birds of prey movie. They're talking about that dead shot movie. So you're going to take the two most popular characters out of suicide squad two to, I mean, uh, potentially, and, and there's no shared universe. So like, does it even feature the same cast of characters? So maybe we'll get a whole new cast of this. It's, it's, it, there's a lot of questions up in the air. What would be, you know, what this movie would actually be. Um, so I'm not even convinced that the idea itself is solid, but other than that, um, it sort of is the obvious choice, isn't it? You want a movie where a group of misfits are are going to be beloved and sympathized with by the audience, and you want to pick someone who can make these these misfits all you know acceptable to a wide audience. Oh. Well, let's get the guy who did that exact same thing for our competition. So just on a creative level, um, it's sort of like, it's just sort of like the obvious choice. And I'm a little bit bothered by that by DC because in a way it's, it's uninspired. Maybe people listening think that it's very inspired because that's what James Gunn did. That's what he's obviously good at. That's why you hire him. But I don't, don't think that's why you hire James Gunn specifically James Gunn because, and I don't know why he would be creatively interested in that. He did that already for, for he wrote three guardians movies directed two, and do, does he really want to do that sort of thing again, sort of with suicide squad two? I wouldn't think that an artist like him would be interested in that. Um, but I could be wrong. I could be wrong about his motivation. I could be wrong about what the story is. And I could be wrong that it's an uninspired choice. Just from where I'm sitting, that's what it looks like. So um, anyways, I, that's that's potentially, um, you know, explosive news. So hopefully uh, hopefully it works out for everybody. Uh, hopefully we get some better movies out of it. That's, that's the whole goal here, right? Is for everyone to make better movies. So does this help everyone make better movies? And the answer is yes. And I'll guarantee you this. I, I think Marvel's movies are the bee's knees. They're great, but I bet you they'd be even better if DC was catching up. If DC was doing a halfway decent job, and I think they have potential to do that soon, but if DC was doing a halfway decent job of making good comic book movies, Marvel would just, Marvel would be like, oh, oh, oh God, like they'd have to try. I mean, I think they already try. I think they hold themselves to a really high standard. I definitely believe that. But okay, let's look ahead in the future 10 years because Marvel, you know, this is supposed to go on in, per- in, in perpetuity. Okay. 10 years from now, if DC sucks still, Marvel's still better, but are they as good as they are now? Maybe, but maybe they're not. Maybe they're, you know, maybe they, they coast a little bit and that's not what I want from, that's not what I want them to do because then they'll just become like every other movie or a slightly better DC movie, but they won't be what they once were. And then people like me will long for once for what once was. And then I'll wax poetic about how James Gunn should have been allowed to keep working at Disney and direct guardians of the galaxy volume three. So that's my take on this story. Um, anyway, you can go read it, at, you know, on io9 docgizmodo.com. The next story, um, is a little bit more businessy, but, uh, I thought it was, um, interesting to speculate about. 
story is on Variety.com. As Disney deal looms, Fox staffers brace for brutal layoffs. This is by Brent Lang and Matt Donnelly, two writers I've never heard of, but uh, I'm sure I'll like them. Um, In case you forgot, um, Disney bought 21st Century Fox for $71.3 billion uh, of their film and TV assets. Historic Union of Two Titans. um, And uh, obviously there's going to be a lot of big changes to uh to the the entertainment landscape with 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 disney having control of all their intellectual properties including a lot of the um movie rights to marvel characters that they now can make movies out of like the fantastic four the x-men um uh god who else am i thinking of somebody else like silver surfer you know just just people just characters that especially now that they're doing more cosmic films would be great to have um you know in in their roster and um, so there's that. But um, this article is pointing out there's a human cost to this era of consolidation that is frequently ignored. For the past 10 months, the employees of who make up 20 who make up 20th Century Fox, the company's film division, and one of Hollywood's busiest studios, have been painfully aware that they will likely be laid off. One staffer likened life on the Century City lot to death row, without much hope of achieving a pardon. Or even a stay of execution. Look at that. Look at those analogies. You guys, you guys are good writers. I can't believe No wonder it took two of you to write this article. <laughs> Nor has there been much clarity about what life will be like when the sale officially closes, which is expected to happen in early January. A few executives and filmmakers, such as Matthew Vaughn. Matthew Vaughn directed uh, X-Men First Class. And I think... Did he direct Apocalypse? I don't know. He directed Days of Fe- Um No, he directed X-Men First Class. People liked that. Matthew Vaughn. I like Matthew Vaughn. Uh, a few filmmakers such as Matthew Vaughn have received reassuring phone calls from Disney's chief, Bob Iger, relaying his desire to get to know them better. For the most part, Disney has remained mum on its post-merger film plans, although it did not, dis- uh, did not appoint top Fox executives. It did appoint, excuse me did appoint top Fox executives Peter Rice and Dana Walden to lead the conglomerate's non-sports television operations. Uh, after bonuses were given out last August, several executives and staffers rushed for the exit. It's hard to ignore that people are dropping like flies, said one alum who recently departed for Greener Pastures. And uh, By the way, a lot, of these exec- a lot of these executives are already leaving to go to Netflix anyways. Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, they're all being plucked off as it is by the streaming services. So yeah, okay, you know, it's hard to ignore people are dropping like flies. They were already dropping like flies. I'm sure that up the higher ups sniff this sail in the wind. It's not like it's like, oh, Disney bought us? What the heck? You guys? Nobody told me. You you knew, man. And and I'm sure you heard whispers. But even before those whispers, there were people just going, oh, see ya. Yeah, today's my last day. I'm going over to Netflix because they pay way more. I can do way more stuff. And oh, I hate it here. <laughs> um, it's happening all over the place. Um in fact, that's what it says in this very next paragraph. <laughs> uh, elected to leave after the sale was announced, have successfully found new homes at companies like Netflix and Viacom. Um, but of course, as those positions fell up, you know, that's, you can't just go over and get any job at Netflix now because now they're all full up. They're stacked. They got all the good people and they don't want your, you know, mediocre ass working over at Netflix. Um so a few top film executives are expected to make the move. People familiar with Disney's plan say Emma Watts, not not Emma Watson, not Emily Watson, 
Emma Watts, 20th, 20th Century Fox's vice chairman, will likely get the call, though the position has not been defined, and formal offers on the movie side have yet to be made. Watts has relationships with key Fox filmmakers such as Vaughn and James Cameron. Oh, that's... Oh, oh, oh I forgot about... I, I, didn't, I didn't even realize that. Disney is going to own Avatar. All that money those films are, gonna, are about to make. All, what is he making? Like seven sequels? Remember how much movie Avatar made? The biggest movie in, the, in of all time, like two or three billion dollars, something crazy. So he's making seven sequels to that. Now I'm not excited, nor do I care about those sequels because it was, it's been almost ten years since the first Avatar came out. But they're gonna make a buttload of money, and now guess who gets to keep that money? That mouse. It all belongs to Mickey Mouse. He just rakes it in like, give me that money. Fox 2000 president Elizabeth Gabler, an executive skilled at turning literary properties into box office gold, is being courted by Iger. She's under contract, but she may have other options. Um, Yeah, Fox Searchlight stuff, yada, yada, yada. Um, Oh, what they're going to do with Fox's animation business. That's, uh, you know, kind of, it's, it's, you know. Uh, What's unclear is if Disney will keep Fox's animation unit, Blue Sky Studios. I doubt it. Why would, why would they do that? Why would, why would you do that? That doesn't make any sense. Um, so yeah, essentially, so buyouts happen, sales happen, and staff gets consolidated, and you're being bought out by a bigger company. You're not being bought out. I mean, some of you are, you're being bought out in part because they like what you're doing and they like what you have. And so there's an element of being bought out by a bigger company where it's like, hey, you guys are like, like if, if, if I'm Disney, here, here's here's what I'm, if I'm Disney, if, if I'm, if I'm a, if I'm Bob Iger, here's what I'm saying to Fox. Like, hey, Avatar, hey, you're doing fine. Um, if you need any more resources, need a bigger budget, you just let us know. We, we, you know, we can, we trust James Cameron. Okay, you're doing fine. Um, FX, you guys are killing it. You guys are doing amazing. Every single show on FX is amazing. American Horror Story is amazing. Um, Atlanta is amazing. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is amazing. All of your shows are amazing. Um, if you need anything from us, you call me at my house. No matter what time of day it is, you get whatever you want. All right. Fox movies. Mm, okay. So we bought you because we like what you have, not exactly what you've done. So what we're going to do is we're just going to get rid of all most of you people who are sort of making your movies now, eh, second rate. And uh, here's my friend Kevin Feige and everyone here at Marvel and um, who's going to make all of your comic book movies better because we're going to make all those movies now and they're going to be um, they're going to be awesome instead of shitty and um, and all the rest of your other films and uh, other franchises that we've got. Um, we'll keep all the interesting filmmakers you've already retained because uh, we like them and, um, you know, that's cool, whatever. So there's an element to getting bought out that does, that does benefit everybody. It's just, hey, everyone gets to stay because we're just we're being bought out because they want to make money off of the good work we're doing. Sweet. So if you get bought out by a big company, the big question is, oh, am I doing a good job or am I doing a horrible job? If you're doing a horrible job, then you're probably going to get fired. (laughs) Um, If you're doing a good job, you'll probably get to stay on. Maybe. Sometimes they still like their guy. They want to put their guy at the top. So it's really, honestly, like like the article says, top, top executives get kept. Like top, top people. Because those are the people who run all this. 
and they, they, they see all this. Um, you know, there's probably thousands of people on the, uh, you know, on, on, on lower positions who are going to get, you know, let go just because they don't need them. It, it's, it's, it's non-essential staff at this point. But then there's mid-level people. It's like those people, oftentimes when like, like when sometimes when like a news, uh, like a news station gets bought out or, or, um, or one news uh, parent company gets bought out by a bigger parent company, sometimes they come in and the only person that they replace is the general manager. They might come in and go, okay, well, obviously the, you're, you know, we like the anchors. We like this, we like this. Oh, everyone, everyone stays, but the GM goes because we like our GM and we've, we've got like this Kingmaker system going on and, you know, you know, so sorry, bye-bye. You've got to go. We've got our guy. So you never really know who's going to get replaced, but what you definitely know is there's always layoffs. So, uh, what does this mean to you as a viewer? Um, probably nothing. I just think it's interesting because I didn't even think about this when the Disney deal happened. I was just like, oh yeah, they're going to own all the stuff and it's going to be great, but it's not always that simple. It's, you know, you've got a little bit of, um, you know, people losing their jobs. So, but that's, that's show business. It, you've got a safe job until you don't. And then when you don't, you, oh, I hope you got that resume, you know, polished up. And I hope you've got samples of your work and you better at that point, you better hope that you've been busting ass to make sure that you're still valuable. Um, or if you've been coasting in this job for 10 years and you have nothing specifically tied to you that you can pitch to someone else as, Oh, here's what I did when I was at Fox. And it was great. Cause the first, the first question they're probably gonna ask you is if you're so great, then why didn't they, why didn't they keep you? <laughs> so I wouldn't want to be a Fox employee right now. Um, because uh, I you know, don't want to lose jobs. So there's that story. Um, we're going to say goodbye to the live stream. Uh, so if you liked this live stream, we usually do this on the first Wednesday of every month. Although I, uh, you know, I, I called an audible today and I decided to not uh, play by my own rules. So um, there it is. Anyways, um, yeah, after the break, we're going to talk about the box office since I didn't do that yesterday. See ya. Okay, the stream is ended. And just like that, it's all gone. All gone. Anyways, let's talk about the box office, you guys. Because um, we didn't talk about this on the quick pick, so let's get into it. So, um, last week... Where are you? There you are. Last... Oh, can we... Oh, my goodness. Let's zoom in a little bit, for God's sake. Damn. All right. Last weekend, here was um, the box office. Number one, uh, debuting at number one was Night School, making $27 million. Then number two, debuting at number two, Smallfoot, $23 million. So sorry, Night School, 27, Smallfoot, 23. And then bumped down to number three was The House with the Clock in Its Walls. Dustin saw that. He said it was good. Uh, I, think he, I think he did. Anyway, um, $12 million. So um, my prediction was that Venom would take number one over the weekend, followed by number two, Night School, and then A Star Was Born would debut at number three. So, was I right? This is the bit. Drum roll. I was wrong. A little bit. Uh, I was definitely right about Venom, which, you know, honestly, that's, that's a, that's not, it's an easy guess. Venom is a big tentpole, tentpole film based on a comic book character, and it was hyped up and very, very popular. Venom debuts at number one with $80 million. That's a, that's a pretty big debut. That's pretty good. Um, 
hundred million dollar budget. So um, how are they doing? Uh, what's it uh, internationally? Let's see. Um, domestic 89, foreign 127. So overall worldwide gross, $217 million. That's pretty good. Yeah. Woo. Yeah. So it delivers an opening. What does this say? Venom delivers October opening weekend record. Wow. Good for you, Sony. Wow. I didn't think you had it in you. So there's Venom, um, debuting at quite some impressive numbers. Of course, number two, I underestimated, I overestimated the staying power of night school, which has fallen to number four <laughs> on its, its second weekend in the box office. Sorry. Number four, 54% drop in uh, theater attendance. Um, and it actually gained nine theaters. It was showing in, huh? Well, what are you going to do? Number two, a star is born debuting at $42.9 million. This is the Bradley Cooper, Lady Gaga, um, I think third remake, well, third iteration, second remake of A Star is Born. Um, and uh, this this thing looks great. Um, and uh, so I'm, I'm happy that it debuted at number two. So obviously it's going to sort of, it's not going to really crawl past Venom, I don't think. Number, number three, uh, Smallfoot fell to number three from number two last weekend, uh, $14 million. So yeah, that's what's going on with the box office this weekend. Actually, you know what? If you want to know how everything's going to go, um, oh, goodness gracious. Sorry. Um, oh, oh my God. Where's all my, oh, oh. Sorry, guys. I'm trying to click around here. Let's take a look at what's coming out this coming weekend, okay? Because we just looked at the numbers, right? So Venom's pretty securely on top, although it has a really low Rotten Tomatoes. What's the, let me see. Remind me what the score is again on Rotten Tomatoes. Come on. I know it's there. 31%. And what's the Rotten Tomatoes score of Stars Born? I think it was really high, like 97. Yep. Oh, 91. Okay, 91%. That's still very, very good. <laughs> very, very good. Okay, so let's talk about what's coming out. Oh, come on. Come on. Oh, my God. This is so dumb. There we go. Gotcha. Okay, opening this week. A few movies that have been aggressively marketed. Um. So mainly you've got you got the big three right here, okay? You've got um, Bad Times at the El Royale. Um, I saw some marketing for this on social media, and I was just really interested in the cast, but um, this has a 77% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, the synopsis says, Seven strangers, each with a secret to bury, get one last shot at redemption at a rundown hotel. Whatever the hell that means. Directed by Drew Goddard. Starring Chris Hemsworth, Cynthia Arrivo, Dakota Johnson, John Hamm, Kaylee Spiney, Louis James Pullman, Nick Offerman. Where's Jeff Bridges? I know you're in here, dude. Oh, Jeremy Latcham's a producer. He's a Marvel guy. Nick Offerman, where's where's Jeff Bridges? I know he's in here. Why isn't he? That's weird. He's not listed on the cast. That's maybe as a small part. Whoa, Jim O'Hare. I don't know if anyone has ever mentioned this before. Jim O'Hare, look at this guy. All right, look at him on your screen, as big as, you know, people who are watching. That guy looks like Philip Seymour Hoffman and James Gandolfini had a big fat baby. Look at that guy. That looks like James Gandolfini, like if he was going to play Louis Anderson. (laughs) Oh my God. Wow. 
Sorry, I got distracted. Um, let's get back to uh, the film we were talking about. Bad Times at the El Royale. Um, let's go zoom in a little in there. We can zoom in a little bit. Um, so this... Oh, no, not that far. Good Lord. Stop. Okay. Um, I haven't seen actually a trailer for this. Let's take a look at the trailer for Bad Times at the El Royale. Interested to uh, take a look at this. Let's get the get it off the screen though, so that you can't see it, so I don't get pulled off YouTube. First time at the El Royale. You have the option to stay in either California or Nevada. I always want to stay in the honeymoon suite, even though I'm not currently on my honeymoon. <laughs> Red or black. Done horrible things. So everybody. Shit happens. Get the whiskey. Well, how very interesting. Drew Goddard um, previously wrote. Did he direct Cabin in the Woods? I think he did. Um, and this seems kind of in that same vein in a way it seems like there's a lot more to this story than just like oh people seven strangers and you know this uh motel this inn uh so uh I, that definitely looks really good um you've also got first man um here we go that's what it looks like um first man 89 percent on rotten tomatoes i already forgot what um el royale, el royale had uh, this is directed by Jamie and Chazelle, starring Ryan Gosling, Claire Foy, uh, Pablo Schreiber, okay, Kyle Chandler, Sharon Hines, Ethan Embry, Jason Clark, Corey Stoll. Oh, hey guys, a lot of cool people in here. Um, yeah, so Damien Chazelle, you would know him from directing La La Land and Whiplash. Uh, La La Land, of course, also um, happened to star. Um, uh, where'd you go? <laughs> Where did you go, Ryan Gosling? Um so yeah, working with Ryan Gosling again. Ryan Gosling is playing Neil Armstrong. You know who that is. Um, the synopsis is the riveting story of NASA's mission to land a man on the moon, focusing on Neil Armstrong in the years 1961 to 1969, and explores the sacrifices and the cost on Armstrong and on the nation of one of the most dangerous missions in history. So this is about the moon landing. Um, let's take a look at this trailer. Definitely interested in checking this out here. These are extraordinary times. And we face an extraordinary challenge. The dramatic achievements in space which occurred in recent weeks should have made clear to us all the impact of this adventure on the minds of men everywhere. But why some say the moon? Why climb the highest mountain? We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Okay. That looks pretty cool. Um, yeah, space movies are always good. And it's, um, this looks like it's a lot more of a personal look at, um, what it, what, you know, what it was like to go to the moon for, for Neil Armstrong. I think this is based on the, on the book first man. 
Um, so uh, a lot more personal of a story than something like Apollo uh, 13 was. I mean, not, you know, still great film, but I'm just saying like, this looks like it could be, I mean, I don't think we actually, have we ever had a movie about, about the moon landing before? I don't think we have. It's pretty cool actually. Anyway, I like Ryan Gosling. Um, Damon, you know, I liked, I liked, uh, you know, Whiplash and La La Land are well-constructed films. So, um, this looks like a lot more of a straightforward story. So, um, I mean, this, this looks like it could be pretty cool. Um, there's also Goosebumps too. Haunted Halloween, um, you know, for the family and stuff. So it's, you know, whatever. Um, so which of these do I think could, could, uh, take over the box office this coming weekend? Um, I'm, oh, let's see that 80, $80 million is a lot of money to beat. That's gonna be tough. Um, although the reviews for Venom are not great, so it could drop off hard. I mean, night school dropped off really hard. Oh boy. <clears throat> okay. Here's my, okay. And, and the reviews for a star is born are great. So here's what I think is going to happen. I think Venom definitely does not keep the number one spot. I think, and what's bad times, the El Royale, it's probably rated R. So that's going to be a smaller audience, right? Radar. Yep. Radar two hours, 21 minutes. My God, that's a long film. How long is first man? Two hours, 18. Good Jesus, you guys. Okay. PG-13, though. Okay. First man is going to take the number one spot. Ah, will it, though? Is it as exciting, you know, on, on the outset? I don't know that it's as exciting on its face as as the current box office. Bad Times the El Royale is not going not gonna to crack these because it's, it's rated R. It's just not going to open very large. And it looks, you know, kind of interesting and weird. So unfortunately, it does, that does not translate to box office very often, especially with an R rating. But, uh, uh, okay, here's what I think. Let's just, let's pretend that nothing new came out next weekend. I think A Star is Born would overtake Venom because I think people are going to go see that who probably wouldn't have checked it out the first weekend because they don't, they're not interested in, you know, love stories or music based stuff or whatever, or they don't like Lady Gaga or they don't haven't seen enough of Bradley Cooper to know who he is. Um, but I think that a star is born is going to get a strong second weekend from all the good word of mouth. So it could probably make another $40 million. Venom is going to get poor word of mouth because it's, the reviews are so bad. So I think they'll fall below 40 million and thus fall into the number two spot at least. So that's what I think happens without these other two movies. Now, when you bring in Bad Times at the El Royale, I would think that it would fall into like the number three spot, maybe. Um, so First Man, the big question is First Man. I think First Man will make more money next, this coming weekend than Venom will. I think First Man opens at number one. I think A Star is Born is at number two. And I think Venom's at number three. That's what I think. I'm going to write it down. I won't lose the notepad this time. Number one is going to be first man Two, a star is born and three will be venom. That's what I think. That's my, that's, that's, that's what I'm, that's what I'm thinking is going to happen. Okay. That's going to be it. That's it for the show. You guys, that's going to be it for the show tonight. Um, we're not going to do any, I'm not going to do any picks. There's no reviews. There's, there's nothing. I got nothing. I got nothing for you. 
Um, I just want to talk about some film news and talk about the box office. That's it. That's it for the show. Good night, everybody. And, uh, oh, can I maybe play the intro? I could play the intro. Oh, no, I won't. I'll, I'll do it in post. Do it in post. Good night, everybody. Thanks for watching, and uh, see you later. Oh, there I go. Oh, whoops. <laughs> Didn't mean to do that. Stop. Oh, forget it. All right, this is going to be the end of the show. Good night. Good luck. Godspeed, Cybertron.